Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. This man can stop the insanity. Pray for him if he doesn't. Have a nice day. No, no, it's not September 22nd, 1996, but we're going back there this week. Uh, we are going to um, really go to a point in time where WWF was struggling for their lives. And they put together this beauty of a match uh, at In Your House Mind Games. We're a little over 25 years from it. And we've got Sean Jones with us today, who I have not talked to in quite some time. He was on the, riddle, orig, uh, the, riddle, the original iteration of Top Guy Theater. So we have got a lot to unpack. And we're going to have a lot of fun. Plus, I'm going to introduce a new fun segment from what happened last week called uh, The Heat Seeking Moment, or as I called it, Seeking Heat. So everyone can shit on the fact that Phil Jackson didn't believe that mankind should have had the world heavyweight championship. And we're going to show you everybody Brandy's reaction. So on that note, away we go. Here we go. We're here again. It's TGT. We got Adam from Bama filling in for Phil Jackson. And let's start as we go around the room like we typically do. Let's start with our guest of honor, Mr. Sean Jones. Brother, how the hell are you? I am great. How are you guys doing? It's been a minute. It has been a minute. It's been too long. It has. It really has. So we're going in your house mind games. Um, I just wanted to ask your your uh, reasoning for picking that show this is probably my second favorite Shawn michaels match behind him and taker at yeah. wrestlemania mm -hmm. this was that match that established sean as a legit threat i mean mankind's yeah. a psychopath and sean took everything he had and then some it it kind of developed that edge that his character needed where he was dangerous, but he was, eh, can he take a beating? Can he really, yeah. you know, get dragged into that deep water and survive? And I think this was that match that 
they kind of told everybody that this dude's legit and he's real. It gave him that edge that which later became Shawn Michaels of DX, I think, right? So Yeah, I think that that was a lot of it was it it showed that he could hang with some of the toughest guys out there. Miss Miss Brandy, how are we today? How's Alaska feeling today? Uh, it's actually warm today. It's 40 degrees outside. It's a heat wave. I broke up the crop top. I am ready for spring. A heat wave. Um, I'm so excited to watch this because this is one of my favorite shows as well. This is kind of like the height of Sean's first championship run. Yep. And I just, I love this era. Not a lot of people really love this, like, new age 95 96 era wwf but i just love it because that was my childhood that was that's nostalgic for me so i'm yeah. super excited for this again i'm i'm 16 years old here so screw you with your childhood um mr adam from bama wearing your butts and seats shirt i see how are you buddy i can't complain brother blessed honestly uh, um, oh, I know your your son just turned 13, which is a little scary, right? Because Callie, Callie's going to wow. be 13. Cal's going to be 13 in November. So I'm a little, little nervous as to what, what's next because either she, her getting older means I'm getting older and that's just scary. Um, well, did you get, he has the bedroom with the door on the lock now because he's a teenager. Uh, oh, what did you say? That's why he has the door with the lock on it, because he's the teenager. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. You told us that before, right? That you, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm so, not walking in on him anytime soon. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, did you get new belts? I see. Did you get a WWE belt? Okay, so the WWE title, James Swanson actually gave that to Bryson for his birthday. Oh. That's amazing. Bryson That's said, cool. well, hey, you want to trade? I was thinking maybe That's a belt awesome. for a bit. Bryson took off with two of my belts. So really? how that happened, I don't know. But, man, these kids are a blessing. Um, ready to see Shawn Michaels. I mean, was this before or after he lost the smile? This is before. before. He would lose the smile in 1997. Yeah. Okay, so it was right yeah, after that. Yeah, I think that. it was 1997. Was he wasn't happy in this match at all. You can tell it. Yeah, well, he, yeah. And Mr. McClanahan, Money Mike, the King of Queries, Michael McClanahan now wants to know is what we hear all the time on ad free shows. <laughs> What's up, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. And you know, you could almost say this is the infancy in the championship career of Shawn Michaels. And the phrase infant is very appropriate for this time period because Frank if you thought Brandy made you feel old I think I was like uh 13 14 months old at this time so oh, you're gonna yeah I had to, I had to throw that in just just for you buddy but uh <laughs> Sean thrilled thrilled you're on the program really excited to talk to you and I I told Frank you know put me last because we were uh we were talking during our little pre-show discussion Sean you you were talking about current product, and I had an original question I wanted to ask, and I'm sure we'll get to that when we get in the main event. But the central theme and the central topic I kind of want driving factor behind today's show is, is the WWE in, in modern day 
playing mind games with its employees with some of the current decision making and some of the processes that are going on. I thought there might be some meat on the bone that we could discuss there, but very excited to watch mind games. Always great to see all of you. Thank you so much. Well, with that being said, everyone fire up the cock. Uh, I'm doing this a little different today. I need to make sure it doesn't start on me. Um, we are going to go to <clears throat> what I typically do is is within your house because this is the inner house era. We just, you know, you go to the cock, you search it. It's going to be season two, episode five, titled Mind Games. Um, I think we are all there. Um, if you guys, if anyone out there listening or watching, give us a quick pause so you can find it. But we're going to get right into it here. And uh, Sean, we let the guest do the three, two, one play. So it's all you, brother. All right. Three, two, one, play. And I'm already delayed. So here we go. Battered egos. You could get by with so much more back then too, though. Well, it's just I don't know. I look at how they do these promos today and some of the videos they do, and they all seem kind of cookie cutter. I don't know. It, It seems like they seem more focused on telling you stuff you've already known and already seen instead of promoting something. I think Eric has said it really well in 83 weeks before. It's almost too perfect. And they drill it in your, in your head four or five times every show. I mean, if you think about it, on the average pay-per-view, if they cut the intro videos, the, re- the recaps that you've seen every week leading up to the pay-per-view, you could add two more matches to each show. Who wants wrestling in the wrestling match? In the wrestling show? Who wants that? Yeah, right. Who wants wrestling? I think they actually said it in the promo, the theater of the mind. You have to let this information that you're presenting breathe a bit so that the fan can take it in their mind wherever they want to take it. So give them the, the cues, give them the cool angles, the big high spot, and then let them have that moment to be like, oh man, what if this crazy motherfucker manages <laughs> to beat our beloved right. Sean Michaels? Oh, Mr. I was, I'm a big fan of the black and white. You know, when they do the video, the whole black and white angle. I love that. Mm-hmm. All right. Did anybody just see that sign? Hey, sunny fat guys do it better. I saw that. Vin you didn't tell me you were at the show. Oh, is, is that a you? Is, is that true, or does anybody know? Well, I'm a fat guy. I can tell you uh, I do it better. Oh uh, yeah. Because I'm. Here's the thing with me. I'm so. I'm so just when someone's 
not to be overly gross, but when someone chooses to be with me and I'm a fat guy and you have to see me naked, I always want to make sure that I pleasure you to the nth degree so that you're not disappointed when it's my turn. Well, That's just are, how I am. <laughs> you are a sweetheart in Nashville. I will give you that. Oh, see, you are a good cuddle snuggle. Very bone, soft man. hands. You want, to talk about a, you want to talk about a character change? What from Brad? The long hair, the duster, the the hit hillbilly to the guy in the suit with the three hundred dollar haircut and the limo. That's pretty good. I agree. Yeah. Sean. Oh, definitely. I, I completely agree. And I I think JBL. I have to say, we had him on ad free shows a while back. We had the pleasure of having him on a Zoom, and he was so phenomenal with his answers and just the time that he took. And I know he has kind of sometimes what could be considered a controversial reputation in the wrestling business. But I mean, to all of us that night, he treated us all with the utmost respect and what a, just what a great human being he is. And I, I really have a lot of respect for his career and the way that, like you said, he took the Justin Hawk Bradshaw character and turned it into JBL. Right. We have Harvey Whippleman as our referee here too. Look at this skinny little. Nice. Boy. Yeah. Downtown Bruno. Yeah, I was when I so I, I I really wanted to dig into this show, um, and I I watched it. I watched it as I was preparing for for today, and I was surprised when they're like Harvey Whippleman needs to get some order. I'm like, what the fuck is Harvey Whippleman the referee for? Like, I didn't realize he was a ref. I, I completely forgot that. Yeah, he so, he kind of did everything for them. We're so and we're gonna Bruno, hit Mappa in a. Go, Bruno throughout his career did everything. He. You know, referee, set up, takedown, agent, handler for the giant Gonzalez. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, women's champion, Pervina. <laughs> he did it all. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit map it um, in a minute here. Uh, Henry and I did a pre-record yesterday, um, so we're gonna go um, into the past and then we will go back to the future. Uh, but I wanted to definitely key in on what is going to happen here in a moment, which is something that I guess WWE is not, they don't typically do, and that's acknowledge other promotions, even though we just saw that happen at the Royal Rumble, where they that's ate what? at the very least. It's a Dreamer and Sandman in the front row there? Yeah, it's Dreamer, yes. Sandman, and um, and Paulie. Paul yep. So, yeah, you can see them off to the left there. I didn't see that first time. Wow. Yeah, it, it's been a minute since I watched this. I completely forgot about that. I so think here. the thing with that is, could you make the case, because everybody likes to use this lingo nowadays, was this the night the Forbidden Door opened? No. The um, Forbidden Door had a, married. Tommy Dreamer couldn't fit through the door back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got to be honest. I think it was the Forbidden place. Barn Door. <laughs> the Barn Door. I, I honestly think that um, is it gonna, it's going to happen here in a sec. I honestly think it was WWE was 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 afraid of WCW, so they they backed somebody else. And you know, here we go. It's going to happen right here. Yep. Now the at spit. the time, WWE is actually is. bankrolling yep. WCW. They're cutting them a check every week. <laughs> I love how Heyman grabs him after all the damage. Everybody's walking away, and then Heyman goes in for the save. And that you know, when I was watching this back, guys, there is a massive ECW chant to start this show. So, like, yeah, there's Heyman's Heyman's holding back. There's Gerald. Yep. 
No, he's, had, he's holding both of them back at the same time. So I just wanted to kind of talk about that real quick, that I wanted everyone to see that. Uh, so I'm going to bring up Henry's map it here. Yo, ho, ho. Hey. Blow me down. Na, 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 na. Hey, that was funny when we go back in time like that. <laughs> yeah, I know, doesn't it? I'm fresh off a Friday afternoon nap that almost stopped this from happening. But here we are. My guinea pigs in the background going crazy. Henry, please. This is as it is for Sean. It's one of my favorite in your houses. Not because it's it. It's because Sean Michaels and Mankind put on a hell of a match. But please, it is all yours, sir. Map it. We come to you live tonight from the Core State Center, which still exists today. It's now called the Wells Fargo Center in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The Wells Fargo Center is actually part of a bigger sprawling complex called the South Philadelphia Sports Complex, which also plays home to Lincoln Financial Field and to... I really should make my writing bigger if I'm going to type these up, type them up big enough so I can read them out of these damn glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and Citizens Bank Park. Citizens Bank Park is home of the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. And Lincoln Financial Field is, of course, the home of the only other team good enough to beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. <laughs> the Super Bowl 52 champion Philadelphia Eagles. Somebody needs to tell Atlanta that if you're going to go to the Super Bowl, you can't choke like that. It's, oh. it's just a bad look. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> the Wells Fargo Center is also the home of the Philadelphia 76ers of the NBA and the Stanley Cup, two-time Stanley Cup winner, Philadelphia Flyers of the NHL. Um, Philadelphia as a city is home of the birthplace of extreme championship wrestling, which would begin its life in 1992 as Eastern Championship Wrestling and would exist for nine years until it folded in April of 2001. Hopefully coming soon to our filter-free network, we're going to watch part of the final ECW pay-per-view, Guilty as Charged 2001. But I digress. This event was held September the 22nd, 1996 from the Core State Center. It is best remembered, I think, for the formal acknowledgement of ECW by Vince McMahon. With two of their stars in attendance, they actually get thrown out during our opening contest, which we should be getting to here in a few minutes. Um, and I want to look real quick at the other side of the coin. This same month, the NWO angle is in full swing on the other network. WCW plays host to Fall Brawl 1996, which would take place a week before this on September 15th from the Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is best remembered for the main event War Games match, which would see Sting turn on WCW. But while it would see him turn on WCW, it wouldn't see him turn to the New World Order. There you go. Their fake sting would not convince the real sting to jump ship. Instead, he would debut a persona that 
persists to this day in his Crow Sting character. And we would begin a slow build towards Starcade 1997. And one of the biggest events that spelled the end of World Championship Wrestling. That too, of course, is a topic for another day. Um, I'm trying to make sure there's nothing here I'm missing. Um, there is one other thing that I wanted to touch on briefly since we won't, I won't be able to do it live with the show today. Um, our main event match later on, we're going to see Shawn Michaels take on Mankind. Last week when we covered St. Valentine's Day Massacre 1999, we would see in our, as one of our two main events, The Rock take on Mankind for the WWE title. But in that match, the Mankind was the WWE champion. And Phil Jackson had some rather derogatory things to say about those reigns by Mankind. I'm not going to go into them here. But this is 1996. And Mankind is main eventing with arguably one of the best technical wrestlers of all time and Shawn Michaels. Which leads me to a question. Does Phil want to walk back? some of the things that he said or will Phil still stick by his guns? I look forward to watching the rest of this show to find out. And I hope you do too. And that that's all I got, Frank. That's map. I cannot wait to show that clip and I cannot wait to see if he walks it back. Everybody. I think it's time that we go back to the future. So, all right, hey, one, of, Henry, one of my favorite hot dog places is right outside the stadium. So, it really? In Nashville there? Yeah, it's a place called I Dream a Weenie. The, the whole, <laughs> how, how it's off, I, uh, I think it's off of 3rd Street, but oh, it's inside God. like a 65 VW bus. Are you serious or are you I am dead serious. Okay, I thought you were ribbing us. I no, I'm, I am 100% dead serious. It, if you're in Nashville and you want a hot dog, that's the place to go. Only in the south. That just makes me think of Weenie Hut Juniors from SpongeBob for some reason. Yeah, it's it's in this converted VW bus, and they're open like during the weekend. They're open till like three a.m. or something. Um, but it's walk up and you sit on the curb. That's kind of neat. When uh, when we're there for SummerSlam this year, if anybody's going, or Uh, I think it's SummerSlam. Yeah, Sean, if you're going to be there, we need to meet up because I yeah, we'll we'll go yesterday. We'll definitely go and uh, and hit that up. I love downtown Nashville. I'm hoping yeah. so because guess what? SummerSlam happens to fall on this year. No way, your birthday. Birthday weekend? <laughs> no, my actual my actual birthday. My actual oh, there birthday. you go. SummerSlam. Well, I'll be 27 years old. Oh shut up! Oh, shut I'm going. I'm, I'm flying out. in. These damn children. <laughs> I'm flying I'm in on Thursday play. night and leaving on Monday. And I said, Yeah, I think I'm doing week. the same. That's Actually, I, I might fly in Wednesday. I've got some friends in town that I haven't seen in forever, so I might go in a day early and hang out with them. I'll I was just like Thursday to Monday too. That's I got Wednesday to Monday off work, but I'll probably just fly in Thursday, like early Thursday morning. Well, I probably won't go to the pay per view, so I'll fly home Sunday. 
Why I would mean, I don't blame you. I'm not giving WWE any of my money. Well, I will tell everybody. I don't even pay for the, the peacock, so I like legit. What? Yeah. You don't pay for your cock? Wait a minute. No. How no, are you watching I, this right now? I'm. Uh, I believe it's through my wife's work. We get it for free. Oh, okay. All right. Well, they, are you uh, have Xfinity or something? No, and it's also, just, if, you, if you have Xfinity as well as your internet provider, you get Peacock for free. Oh yeah, I've got Cox cable. Yeah, we. Have oh, so you do have yeah. shitty internet? You got Cox. So yeah, no, I've got yeah. I've got gigabyte fiber. Are you kidding me? I've got awesome internet. See, yeah, you've the got the good. I have to clown because I hear so much bad about Cox. Yeah, no, I've got I've got phenomenal internet here. So I have Xfinity, so, so I get Cox for free. So oh you would get Cox for free I anyway. Hey, I don't know if that's a compliment or what. Thank you. So no, it's Sabio, a compliment. Sabio Sabio Vega goes over man. Mr. Vega goes over. I always uh, like these strap matches. I kind of miss them. I like here's my take on a strap match. I like a strap match if they do the four corners thing. I hate. Flair? I could you repeat that, please? I really didn't hear what you said, and I'm not joking. You said you want to be strapped. You want to be strapped to Charlotte Flair. Hey, hey, whatever. I'm not going to go there. Let's just move on. Topic. I can't. Let's well, I'll tell you what. I can't wait till uh, she snaps Ronda Rousey's arm like a twig at WrestleMania because we all know that's happening. She's going to bow down. The the MMA queen of the UFC is going to bow down to the true queen of the WWE. You mark my words. Match right, ends. I, a, match ends in a DQ. All right, I think we need to go to Cash Course. How about that? Let's Absolutely, let's roll. All right. Money, 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 money. Money, 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 money. Money, 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 money. Oh, money, money, Ladies and gentlemen, cash is in session. <laughs> Today, we are going to take a specific look at in your at the In Your House events, and we're also going to look at, we saw some ECW early in the program, earlier in the program. Now, the last few weeks on Cash Course, I've kind of gone through, looked at gate numbers, merchandise. I did not include those this week because I want to take a slightly different approach. I want to look specifically at the key driver of this time period, which was pay-per-view buy rate. And we're going to look at WWF versus WWF year to year. And we're also going to look at WWF, WWE versus WCW for the same years. So let's start by looking at the show we're watching now, In Your House Mind Games. And it had 120,000 buys. Now, this was something I thought was kind of interesting. Was during this time frame, the In Your Houses were kind of known as a second tier pay-per-view. For, back of, for lack of better terminology, because they weren't as expensive. In, in 1996, the price was, on average, 19.95 per pay-per-view. So if we take our 120,000 buys and we multiply that by 19.95, we get an approximate pay-per-view uh, dollars of $2,394,000 dollars. Now, that seems like a significant amount of money, but something that I found fairly interesting, as you know, when I do my analysis, I always like to kind of look year to year at the analytics 
Now, we'll see that In Your House 3, which was September of 1995, so one year prior, had 175,000 buys. That's wow. a decline of 55,000 buys, or 31%. Now, something I thought was interesting was, if you recall a few moments ago, I said that the price of the pay-per-view in 1996 was 19.95. That was actually a price increase. During 1995, the prices for September were 14.95. So if we take the 175,000 buys, multiply that by the price per pay-per-view, we get a pay-per-view um, dollar figure of $2,616,250. So overall, WWF compared to WWF, year to year, we're down about $222,250, or 8%. So we're seeing a decline there. So one of the first things we might assume is, oh, that means the industry's on a decline. Well, decline. Well, that is not the case, because we are in 1996, <laughs> and what we are seeing is a huge increase and in spike in interest in professional wrestling. But it's not primarily due to what we're seeing being put out by the WWE, WWF. It's what we're seeing on the other channel with WCW. During the same time frame, WCW would run its fall brawl pay-per-views for 1996 and 1995. And in 1996, we saw that the fall brawl event had 230,000 buys. And then what I thought was interesting, so if we take, looking at 1996, that 230,000 buys that WCW had, and we compare that to the 120,000 buys that the WWF had for Mind Games, we have that WCW exceeded the WWF by 110,000 buys. Wow. And that's actually an increase of 91% compared to the competition. Then I thought it would be interesting, well, let's look at growth year to year for WCW. They had 230,000 buys for Fall Brawl 1996. One year prior, turn the clock back to 1995, 85,000 buys for Fall Brawl 1995. That's an increase of 145,000 buys, or 63%. So what we're seeing from our analytics, what are our key takeaways here? The wrestling business overall is on an incline but for the WWF, we're looking at a slight decline. Will that persist, or will the WWF be able to kick out? We'll find out as the years continue. One final thing that I wanted to mention, just as an aside, because I haven't done this recently, but I looked at, during this time period, you know, this pay-per-view would have been released on VHS. And I thought it'd be interesting to look at, you know, nowadays, what is a in-your-house mind games VHS going for? You can find one on Amazon for $67 from an alternative seller, or on eBay, the price range actually ranges from $13 all the way up to $200. That's something I just thought was a little interesting and something that people might find interesting. And this has been your cash course. Always, always, always excellent as usual, man. I, I, I apologize. I'm getting the notice that my internet connection is unstable. Um, so if I go off the rails, I'm sorry. Um, what I'd like to do now, guys, is push ahead in the show to a time code of 28 minutes, 35 seconds. Just two things. Uh, one, when did uh, Vader start wrestling without his mask? Wasn't that Vader just now? Oh, 
<laughs> Shut up. This is Jim Cornette. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. And, and number two, Money Mike, how do you know what a VHS is? Uh, I'm not that old. I'm not that young. He, he went to a museum once on a oh, field trip in grade school. I had VHS. I have the. So this is my my childhood. Was does anybody else remember the old school Nickelodeon like the orange VHS tape? The orange VHS tape. Yeah, that was that was yes. my childhood, especially the Blues Clues ones. Those were my absolute favorite. Oh, Blues Clues. Is everybody at twenty eight minutes thirty five seconds? Yep. Yes. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And we'll <laughs> we're gonna go three, two, one, late. And you guys should see Bulldog and Owen in the ring. Yep. And they're about to take on the Smoking Guns with the Smoking Sunny for the Tag Team Championships. So I wanted to touch base with you, uh, Sean, on something. I wanted to kind of get. I don't know if we went over this in your in in the old iteration of uh, Top Guy Theater, but in th- on this iteration of Top Guy Theater, we always discuss kind of your journey into pro wrestling and when it started in, in just in an effort to get to know you. So I just would love to know what's your first memory of wrestling? How'd you find it? You know, your thought, you know, what, what are your favorite things about it? That, all that kind of shit. So first memory, 1987 Saturday morning, flipping channels. And I see some guy with long blonde hair and neon tights, drop an elbow from the top rope. And I was hooked instantly. That guy was Shawn Michaels, by the way. Oh, that's really cool. It was a Rockers match. And that's why he has been – he was the first wrestler I saw. And I figured, okay, I already found the best. Why bother following anyone else? And I've been a fan ever since. So was he your all-time favorite wrestler, Shawn, if you don't – Absolutely. Yeah, not even a question. I knew I liked you. Yeah, no, he – yeah. And, well – and there's another little bit to that. His name is Shawn Michaels. My name is Shawn Michael Jones. That's amazing. That's so, actually really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, oh, look. It's Daddy Ass in the ring with his partner. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I've, I've been a fan ever since. It's the, it's the combination of action movie, drama, comic book, Wrestling gives you a little bit of everything. Yep. There's there's a character for everybody. There's a storyline for everybody. There's, you know, if you don't like what you're watching, give it five minutes. It'll change. Now, I actually have a follow-up question to that, just going off your fandom, because we've talked about, you know, how you got started. And so many people say, oh, my family member got me into it. Or I used to watch with family members of mine. Not one person in my family. Oh, Wow. Every single one. I can't believe you watch this crap. You know this is fake, right? This is scripted. This isn't real. And one day I fired back with, oh, yeah, how's that movie you're watching? Did that actually that actually happen? Star Wars, that, that was real? <laughs> Star and Wars is a story, right? And then it was like they kind of left me alone at that point. Um, I, my mom watched a little bit during the Sean and Brett stuff. Um, just cause it was on and she sat down one day and found herself really getting into it. And she was like, I, I gotta get back to cleaning. I can't sit here and watch this, but she was like in it, picking sides, the whole deal. Yeah. No, it's the, nobody in my family. I've, I've always been whatever I like. Not one person shares that interest with me. 
so piggybacking off of that, Sean, what did it mean for you to find a community like an ad free shows oh, that uh, is a, cla- a collection of so many people that they just love wrestling and so many different avenues of it? Because I mean, it's it's meant the world to me. It was interesting in high school wearing a Shawn Michaels shirt or a Bret Hart shirt. And then a year later, all of a sudden, it's Austin 316 on the jocks, on the metalheads, on the dorks, on the. All of a sudden, everybody was a wrestling fan because it was the cool thing. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Six months ago, y'all were busting my balls for watching the same thing that you're now buying merch. Like, yeah, it. But finding it, the community of of like minded misfits has been, yeah, that that first Starcast. I'm not going to go in, in depth, but it literally changed my life. I understand that. I I, I didn't have a um, I haven't had a Starcast or a Top Guy weekend experience yet because of the time that I got involved and in with the pandemic. But um, I do want to say you talk about changing your life. I actually have to shout out. Uh, Frank Bruno for a second here because Frank I was looking at um, my Twitter chats and my Twitter timeline and it was actually one year ago that you um, brought me into um, a Twitter chat that some of the members of ad free shows are involved in and that has meant the world to me and it's made the last year uh, very wonderful so I wanted to publicly thank you for that oh, Frank. Oh, I, dude, I, that, I appreciate that and, and um, I will tell you this is the thing that 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 helped me with AFS. I've said this a million times on this show, and I'm just going to keep saying it is that um, even though we're all scattered all over the country, I mean, we've got Sean, you're California, right? Arizona, Arizona, Brandy's Alaska, Michael's Pennsylvania, Adam is uh, uh, Bama, and I'm Rhode Island. I feel closer to all of you than I do people that live actually live in this this town these this town these people I've known for 20 something years Th- that's like, a very accurate assessment that's um, after Nashville of course we're going to be close right the, the fun <laughs> part, the fun part <laughs> of our cast it's the after party so to say all the volunteers when you finally have time to sit down have a beer actually meet these people that you've been in the trenches with for you know the last 12 hours that's where the fun you know Hanging out one night, and there's Conrad holding court, telling us about what a pain in the ass it was to do Vegas for Starcast, while I'm having a beer with Mance Warner. Like, what? Right. Like, where, where what, what's my life do? right now? Yeah. Where, where else are you gonna? You know, I show up for Starcast, and I'm told, okay, this cart right here with all these young bucks, Funkos, mind you, and I know I'm gonna catch hell. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know the Young Bucks. I didn't know Kenny Omega. I didn't know Hangman Page. I didn't know. So they're like, okay, this is Dana. You go with Dana and take these Funkos to the Young Bucks so they can sign them. That was in the first 10 minutes of me being at StarCast. I met Dana um, Massey. Was it Nick's, Nick's wife? Matt's wife. Sweetheart. Matt's wife. Sweetheart. And then I met the Young Bucks, and I met Hangman, and I met, you know, I knew who Scorpio Sky was. I knew Kazarian. I knew Christopher Daniels. But I walk into the <laughs> room, and it's like, here's these guys. And it's like, wow, this, really? I've got Diamond Dallas Page's cell phone number. I've got Vampiro's cell phone number. Like, that's crazy. what? Right. <laughs> so I, that's the thing I wanted to share with you is, like, for me – Sean, uh, I, I, Sean, I loved Tony Schiavone's run in WWF. 
and and one of my favorite SummerSlams, which we talked about before we opened, was was '89. And and if you look at the TGT Open, it's mirrored to that. Right. And who was who was on the call for that show? But Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura. So the fact that Tony Schiavone knows who I am doesn't need to be reintroduced to me 10, 10, 15 times. And when we had Dynamite in Boston in October, that man walked through the crowd at the end of the show to come see me. Right. That, that is like a, what's, what's like, I, we watched Rampage together last night and I said, Hey, Tony, I got a quick question for you. He goes, Hey, Frank Bruno, how you doing? Like, holy shit. Like I just, it's, it's, when um, incredible. when Tony was doing the the Dynamite after show on Facebook, he had Jungle Boy and Britt Baker were there, and I chimed in and I we had this running joke about when is AEW coming to India. There was somebody that would always <laughs> ask Tony every time in the chat, so I started doing it. Hey Tony, when when are you guys coming to India? I mean, what 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 do you not like it over here, or what's the so he goes, oh, and Sean Jones chimed in, and Britt Baker goes, Sean Jones, who's that? Tony goes, oh, he's a friend of mine. There you go. Like, isn't that insane? And Britt was like, oh, cool. I'll have to meet him sometime. Done. Like, so, Sean, we, we, so if, if I may ask, and, and, and you don't have to get – I mean, what? how old are you? I'm 42. Just turned 42 okay. in January. I'm 41, so I'm assuming you – did you graduate in uh, 98? 98. All right, I graduated in '99. You and I share, like, we're like Mira in it. Like, I used to. Like, do you remember Shawn Michaels' shirt that that was the blue, and he's he's on the he's uh, it had the Heartbreak Hotel all over it, and he's sitting like this on the shirt. Yep, I had that shirt, and I wasn't afraid to wear it in school. I also had the one. I'm with pretty Brett sure Hart, I've had the Brett same Ramon. one. Remember Razor Ramones? It was yellow with all the ra- razors. Yep, yeah. and everyone. That's an I iconic was, shirt. I would be made fun of, talk shit about, and then come 1999, I'm running around school with DX shirts and WWF shirts and this shit. Everyone wants to talk to me, and I'm like, I, I don't have the time of day for you people. There's you a didn't... DX shirt that I had that I would love to have again. Black, long sleeve. It just said DX on the breast, and it had the heartbeat zigzag going down the oh, arm. That's amazing. Super simple. I haven't been able to find one since. I had it. Somebody borrowed it. I never got it back. I was asked to leave school one time because my I had I don't know if you remember this DX shirt, but it had a barcode in the front. It was a bar. It was yellow bar or a green barcode on the back. It said, "If you can't beat it, suck it." Yep. And I was asked to leave school, and then I had another shirt that uh, the shirt said, "Other side, jackass." And I had the, the, the Austin, Austin the, the skeleton with the double middle yeah. finger. That <laughs> no. one got me in trouble a couple of times. Um, uh, so we've definitely had a... Uh, I had a Billy Gunn ass man shirt that I used to wear to school on days when I didn't feel like going. Because I knew they'd immediately send me home. There you go. <laughs> I mean, and so we say, speaking of Billy Gunn, we've got the smoking guns in the ring. We've got Absolutely. Mike Kiota, Mike Kiota, Clarence Mason... This brings back so much, like, like I. This is this is so. This is a great era, and and this is the thing for me. A lot of people like said, "Well, I stopped watching wrestling between '94 and '97." Did you ever have a a break? Um. Yes, 
from roughly 02 to about 05. Combination of working with bands, not being around a TV, not having cable. I was homeless at one point. You just kind of fall out of it. But any chance I got, I if I saw, oh, hey, the bar's got the pay-per-view this weekend, I'd show up and not knowing any of the storylines, I would show up to watch the pay-per-view. Usually any of the big four. I never missed a rumble, no matter where I was at, even if I knew none of the guys in it. Um, but yeah, no, I had a I had a little bit of a gap there. Um, it sucks because there was a lot of great stuff on SmackDown during that time, and I missed all of it. Yeah, but I mean, so I have to ask this Batista's point. entire run on SmackDown, that early Lesnar stuff. Um, yeah, I missed all of that. So I have to um, ask this question because you're a Shawn Michaels fan. Um, I, and I really like Shawn, but we were watching a few months ago. We watched Royal Rumble 1998 with uh, John Alba. And I have to ask this question about that match, that casket match. How different do you believe Shawn's career and Shawn's legacy is if he doesn't take that bump in the casket match that requires him to have back surgery? Do you think he's still remembered in such glowing terms today, if he doesn't have to step away from the business and come back? Or what do you I think his legacy looks think like? His I, mean, legacy is such bigger. I think his legacy is even bigger because he didn't have to step away. Well, he so would have just, really. that rocket would have just kept going. But here's, um, here's my, here, here's the thing. Got this, brought is, out? This, this is, this is what I'm, I want to just say this. The change that that the change his change in attitude his change finding God and all that stuff I don't think it would have happened exactly um, and I I have to be that was very, my thought I, I have to be very honest with you I'm going to be very serious here I think Shawn Michaels would not be alive right now if he didn't well, have that, if he didn't have that break he would have he would have fell to his demons um, see but the question is. If he doesn't have the back pain, is he popping all the pills? He was popping pills before he had that. Yeah, yeah but I think a lot of – also remember his attitude at that time because he was hurt. He was shitty. That was going into – even going into the match with Austin at, at Mania where his back was all jacked up. That was all residual from the casket bump. Yeah, yeah. I think if that bump never happens, he's a lot happier – and most of the drug use becomes recreational instead of necessary. If that makes yeah, sense, no, that that does that makes sense. Yep. I, I think there it's a it's kind of a double-edged sword there. With you know, if he's not in all of this pain, does he need all of the drugs? So, uh, and that's quick. an interesting. So, real quick, guys, um, the. Smoking guns are no longer the tag team champions. We are oh, going to, we're going to skip uh, the crap that was Jerry Lawler and. Um, it blows uh, my mind how much Mark Billy Gunn is Colton favor right here. He looks exactly like Colton Gunn right here. So we're going to we're guys real quick. We're going to push to fifty six twenty four, and then we're just going to finish the show. So we won't have any more. Fifty six twenty four. Close enough. It's amazing how much Colton him flavor. I remember it. Uh, the last Starcast in Chicago, it was 
I think it was Colton's first match with ROH. And somebody had sent Billy the video. He didn't he didn't see it live. And he's like, I'll be damned. This kid stole my music. Those are my boots. Those are my shorts. That's my moveset. But the whole time, anybody that came over, he was like, dude, it's my kid's first match. Check this out. And he just, the proudest papa. Yeah. I've got a picture of him and MJF completely like nobody else was paying attention. And MJF is sitting there watching the with a big smile on his face. And then um, he went back to harassing old people. But is, is everybody at the 56-24 mark? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do yep. uh, in yep. three, two, one, play. And I believe they are now putting over In Your House Buried Alive, which is the next. Yep, Correct. Um, I, I have to say it's very hard for me uh, to hear... I don't know why. I don't know if it's just me being a, 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 a stupid young idiot inside, but when they're like, oh, the tag team of the ass boys, uh, it's um, I just have a very, I, I, how do you, I don't know. Can't you, go back to the gun club. Or, uh, the ass well, boys? It's, it's, it's just a Dan Housen thing. Joke. It's Dan Housen. It's, it's an yeah, online it's Twitter joke. thing with Dan Housen. Because right. he was the ass man, they're the ass boys. It, it's a Danhausen. If you follow it on Twitter, it's funny as shit because they start going back and forth with it, and it's it's now crossed over into the real world. Yeah, I need to. And by the way, uh, was it, I can't remember if it was Colton or the other one. They filed a trademark for that. Yes, so they, they did. Make the money off of it. Yes, they did. So it's just it's a joke that took off, and everybody's into it, and. They changed the music for the video, and it's the ass boys, and it's just it's lighthearted and it's fun and it's it, something you know. Danhausen right now, that dude is nice a walking ATM. That guy is just printing cash. Yeah, he, he awesome to I agree. All of the human monies, all, all of the, the human monies, stacks of human monies. Speaking so, of money and going back to something. Let's clean my money. Speaking of money and something that was mentioned uh, in the cash course, Sean, we've talked about your WWF fandom. Did you watch any WCW at this time? I did. Or did you have, what um, were your thoughts on the what, – what product did you think was superior? Were you always loyal to the WWF or did you sometimes like WCW it, better? I was more loyal to talent than a company. Oh, okay, cool. Like, I was a huge Jericho fan, Eddie Guerrero, um, that whole kind of, that click of Benoit and Guerrero and Malenko, Jericho. Um, The funny thing is, is the bigger guys, I've never been a Hogan fan at all at any point in his career. I kind of saw it through the bullshit when I was young. You know the the prayers and the vitamins, and the, you, didn't, you didn't get those arms praying and vitamin. And that's just you know. Um, but no, I Kevin Nash. I've always been a fan of his. Scott Hall, always been a fan of his. Got Billy Kidman. Um, I I was a huge fan of the cruiserweights. Me too. In WCW and the heavyweights in WWE. That you know, Undertaker and Austin and um, Gold Dust, yeah. I, w- I was never really loyal to a company, 
that's a really cool perspective because I, I don't think I've ever really heard someone kind of lay it out that way. But how good this question just popped in my head because of what you said. How good would one show have been if you had that WCW cruiserweight division with the Raw? Oh, WWE? I booked multiple times WCW versus WWE, and thank you. Yeah, the. If WWE would have had WCW's cruiserweight division, there would have only been one company. That's a good point. It would have been a very quick, decisive beheading of WCW. It would it's with WWE's production, uh, the video production, the audio production, the overall presentation, the you know, not that WCW was or WWE was any better, but at least they kind of had a direction. I agree. You know, were, forward was the direction instead of forward until, oh, that doesn't work for me, brother, and then we got to circle back. And and we're doing this as people are walking to the ring. You know, like, it, at WCW at times felt very disjointed, but at times had amazing wrestling. You know, having having said that, Sean, if you don't mind, uh, one more question, Frank. Because I just want to circle off of what Sean said there. Because you're talking about the WWF in very glowing terms and how they had a clear direction. And if you don't mind my saying so, it seems like a contrast between what you've said about modern day WWE. Oh, could you Could you indicate to us when that changed? When you think that direction started to go off the rails and kind of where we're at now? And maybe what needs to be fixed. And I mean, we can go around the horn with those questions, but I just thought it'd be interesting to kind of get your perspective first to kind of set the table, if that's agreeable to everyone. I'm not exactly sure when. It was just kind of gradual. It When they started bringing in Hollywood writers and relying less on wrestling talent to write wrestling storylines is when they kind of lost the plot, so to speak. You know, you, you can't, I mean, yeah, I'm sure some of these Hollywood writers are great if they're writing for Seth Rogen and they're doing dick and fart jokes. <laughs> yeah, that's going to entertain an audience of one, which is Vince McMahon. But you can't have somebody who's never been in an industry write stories for that, especially in wrestling. Trying to keep the suspension of disbelief, keeping kayfabe, while not being patronizing towards your audience. I also think the decision to stop letting talent be in charge of their character direction, as far as promo work, walking in and having somebody hand you, you know, uh, who was it? CM Punk on his DVD talking about he'd walk in, somebody would hand him and he'd go, oh, yeah, and he'd throw it in the garbage because – you can't write for me. You can't put those words in my mouth if you don't know me. Yep. And that's, I don't understand how you can have somebody else write a promo that you're supposed to get behind 100% that you may not agree with. You now, may not understand, you know, it, it just, it seems like that's when everything started going to Vince having ultimate control instead of delegating like he used to now having said that and i want to focus on one thing that you said about the change to the hollywood writers and the entertainment because frank has mentioned this point on the show several times he was at the show in providence where they actually 
rebranded from WWF to WWE. Do you think that that rebranding had any impact on the shift in direction, or do you think they were headed there uh, anyways? And I, Vince McMahon said it best. We make movies, pal. Oh, they, yeah, that was from the uh, those Beyond words the came out of yeah. his mouth, it was no longer about wrestling. It was about entertainment. Having said that's, that, that's what it is. Yeah. Having said that, what are your thoughts on the way during the pandemic that they adapted and introduced, like, the Boneyard match, the Firefly Funhouse? What are your thoughts on those? I enjoyed both of those. I, I enjoy the cinematic stuff when it's done right. And I'll give WWE credit. They do cinematic better than anybody else. They make it look better. The sets have more money involved. It looks like Hollywood. And that's cool that they went outside the box and came up with something different. I didn't like the video wall. You know, in the, the Oh, you the did not like you did not like the Thunderdome. You did no, not I didn't like, like it. I didn't like it at all. Would you have preferred they stay in the perform in the small performance center yes. with the with the trainees as the crowd? See, I actually thought it yes. was better when they got in a bigger environment. And I thought the Thunderdome was something we're we're gonna remember that. That's a staple of the pandemic. Oh, yeah, it'll it'll always be remembered. I just it's tough for me to get into a wrestling show when there's some fat schmuck on the screen behind the wrestlers laying on his side, you know, stuffing a cheeseburger in his face, and it's like you know, watching some guy sitting there picking his nose or cleaning his ears. It's like, if you don't care, I can't care. I, 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 I would rather you be in an empty room with two guys in a ring working their ass off than try and force this kind of manufactured atmosphere. So let me, let me chime in here. Um, Absolutely. I, I, you know, we talked earlier about when you took your wrestling break. I can't say that I took, I've ever taken a wrestling break, but I certainly have taken a WWE break. I did, I struggled, struggled very hard to enjoy wrestling during the pandemic era because the lack of a crowd really plays a factor in it. And then the other thing that I didn't like is that I understood the move to the Thunderdome, uh, but it was manufactured crowd. It was manufactured. It was almost like they were saying, hey, you're supposed to cheer this guy and boo this guy. Well, right, and then piping in the exactly audio. Yeah. It, I knew people that were in the Thunderdome, and they're telling people, okay, we need you to cheer now. We need yeah, you I've, to I've been in two or three times. Now. It's bad. Oh, yeah, and you, if you weren't obeying the directions, they would take you out. They yep, would take you Bama, would you talk about your experience there a little bit? I know you've done it off ca off camera, but would you talk a little bit about your experience in the Thunderdome, if you don't mind? Ah, oh, it was terrible. Like right before commercial break was over, you would hear some random guy. All right, guys, we're coming back from commercial break. Here comes Kevin Owens. Let's go, Kevin Owens. And that's the attitude of what it was. All right, guys, let's hear it for the Undertaker. All right, guys. Here comes here comes so and so. Make sure you boo him. And that was the really yeah. That's how it was. Yeah. That was the enthusiasm yeah. too. It was like, all right, guys. Make sure you boo uh, Keith Lee or whoever there, whoever it is. It's terrible. And as a wrestling fan, I would be insulted if they're like, okay, this is who you have to boo. Fuck you. I've been doing this for thirty plus years. I know who to boo and who to cheer. You know, yeah. like yep. 
There you go. So, Sean, it, that's my exact take is insulted. Because I don't – having... I don't want to watch a show where, like, it was hard to watch the NFL during the pandemic. I did, but it's, like, because they just have fake crowd in there. Right. I, I, I need, like, you know, I'm not – I'm going to like who I like, and, and I don't want to watch a show where all – I think I even think now they, they, they pipe stuff in. Oh, they um, absolutely. They absolutely do. I want to hear the natural, like, that's what I love about AEW. It's, it's like, the whole Cody Rhodes being booed thing, that wasn't supposed to happen, but they're going with it because it happened. Because, yeah, and it, it's working. So instead of, and this is kind of a football analogy that I use all the time, the Chicago Bears run a scheme. They don't give a shit. If you know how to work in that scheme, you're going to. We're not going to adapt to the players. You're going to adapt to our and that's what WWE does. You go into developmental, and it's we don't care what you did on the indies. We don't give a shit what you know. This is how we do things here, and this is how you're going to do things. Yep. And I understand why they do that because there's so many different ways they train. Because when I trained, I trained with a guy named Chief Littlein. That was his name. <clears throat> a couple of things in WWE back a long time ago, but everybody trained different. And I can understand why they would say, okay, look, no matter what you learn, this is how we do it. This is what we want it done because they might have got trained some shitty way. And so I was but in I, the ring. My second for training, I was in the ring. And I should not have been in the ring two weeks into it. But I think it's more WWE trying to control every aspect of manufacturing. Because yeah, you I look at yeah. how many indie shows out there are the matches between two guys that have completely contrasting style. Uh, Perfect example, Brian Cage and Will Osprey, two absolutely polar opposite. Their match was a fucking banger. It it's WWE wanting to control. This is our product. This is our how our product looks. This is how our product sounds. This is how our people talk. This is how our people wrestle. And when it's all because that comes from one man making every decision and wanting that this is all set up for Disney to come in and buy them. I wanted to ask about that. So do you, do you think Sean, that's the direction we're headed? Cause we absolutely had discussion multiple times on. The, absolutely. On the I, after what I've been reading lately about triple H and how they're taking it slowly for his health, he's being pushed out. Vince is going to sell. Steph is going to get a payout. Shane's going to get a chunk. Hunter's going to get a chunk. Disney's going to walk away and make billions. Do you want my concern with that, Sean? Could I? I've discussed this. All oh, I have a ton of concerns with it. I, I my concern is that then: do we become like what WCW was? Absolutely. Nineties. Time out. Time out. Time out. Real quick. I. I. That question, Michael. I want to hear everyone's concerns. So, Michael, start with you. What are your concerns with that happening? Uh sorry. I was getting a message out. <laughs> Uh, on the uh, my concerns with it happening are I just think if Vince isn't there, if Hunter's not there, like if they go the buyout way, like Sean recommended, who is going to be running the product? And when you lose Vince McMahon, for as much criticism as we all sit here and give him, he knows how to run a wrestling company and ultimately knows at the end of the day what the product should look like. We might not agree with the product he puts out. But he knows what a wrestling product should look right. like. Right, and he's also the and the final decision. It's not a committee. It's not a group of people. It's 
Vince doesn't like it, it's not happening. Or Vince loves it, it's going to happen regardless. No, I, I totally get what you're saying. Sean, so real, as we're talking here, we are talking over what I find to be a really good match between Undertaker and Goldust. And what I just saw was Goldust take a chug slam off the top rope, and he landed funny and looked like he jacked his head. So, good God. And now he's up for the tombstone. Taker also just repositioned him on the tombstone. Goldust might be out. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah was he was nice. low on that. Taker picked him up a little bit. That's the but, end of it. Yep. It's a good thing. It's a good he match. His head, because if he would have tucked his head, he would have been out. My he, my favorite era of Undertaker, the what I dubbed the serial killer era. Just those it, dead eyes. He didn't give a shit. He didn't fuck around. He came in and he ended you. What are your thoughts on the American Badass era? I was always kind of partial to that one, like the biker gimmick. I I like. The man. You need to watch your language, Michael McClane. Any of his, any of his iterations, I've been a fan of because of the talent behind the character. I said bad. I said badass, Adam. I didn't drop an f bomb. You said it again. <laughs> My goodness, Michael, you're dirty mouth. <laughs> oh. yeah, as, as far as concerns, you're right. It's gonna be. It'll be wrestling by committee. I don't think Disney wants them. For the wrestling, Disney wants the characters. Yes. They want John Cena meets the Incredibles. They want Roman Reigns showing up on, you know, fucking Boba Fett or whatever. (laughs) They want the characters and the the face and the built-in credibility that those people bring. Can I what, do you think, what, what do you think is going to happen to the library? Because that's what I want. It'll end up on Disney Plus. Yeah, I, I, I want. I want. To, I want. Like this is the thing. It'll end I, up on Disney Plus, but it'll actually be like usable and easy to access, and you know, you don't you don't have yearly shows that are referred to as episodes. <laughs> yeah, isn't um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think it'll be streamlined. A lot of the questionable stuff that's still on there will not be available any blood any questionable sexual yeah so the the attitude era is going to be a problem yeah they will sanitize the shit out of the attitude era they might not here here'd be my thing disney also owns espn what do you think the odds are that the library goes on espn plus instead of it'll be on disney plus it'll all be accessible under one At, at some point ESPN Plus and Disney Plus will roll into the same. They'll, okay. they'll have one website that encompasses every one of their IPs. So here, and you brought up a good point about the. Oh, go ahead, Brandy. Sorry. I want. I, I want to hear Brandy. Well, I do want. She's to like, what? What did I do? What? Me? I, what? I, hold on a second. I do want to hear Brandy and Adam's concerns on the on a sale. So, Brandy, do you have any concerns on a sale to Disney? I have 100% concerns on sale because Disney's not going to care about wrestling and telling stories and about the people. We already know Disney doesn't give a shit about its employees. Not like WWE has a great track record lately about that either. That's true. That's very true. true. And they've already started. uh, In India, the WWE has contracted with Disney to use Disney Plus as the platform 
for their content. Is it now, India course, or Indonesia? Like, oh, I couldn't remember. Business deal. That's just a, no, that's what you call a test market because yes, India is a very sizable market and you can work out what the bugs are. Is it India or so Indonesia? I might be wrong. What did you say? Is it India or Indonesia? I thought I read it was India. Indonesia. Oh, I oh that's India. even more impressive. Yeah, that's that's huge. India is a very large country. But, but you're right. That is, this is a test run on both ends. Brandy, I think that is <laughs> that was. I mean, that's that's I don't. That's a hell of a take, and that is so true. Yeah, Brandy, bringing the fucking heat again. Well, Brandy uh, writes for a site called The Last Word on Pro Wrestling, where you can yes, find about is. news like picking up things like that and previews like we're filming this on Saturday, February 12th. DeFi Wrestling out of Seattle, Washington is having their fifth year anniversary show today. Third generation prodigy Nick Wayne challenging Christopher Daniels for the DeFi Championship. Nice. A whole bunch of surprises sure to be in store. Shane Strickland, who came through DeFi, his no compete is coming up. And you never know who's going to show up. I mean, when they were getting ready to start AEW, one of the first places Cody and the Bucks showed up was DeFi. And John Moxley showed up in DeFi. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens out of Seattle tonight and see what surprises are in store. On the topic of storytelling and being great writers and having being able to construct a story, I do have to say while we're talking about Brandy's work at Last Word on sports, I've been fortunate enough she's shared some of it with me, and I just want to say that she does an excellent job, and I highly recommend everybody go check out the work that she does. It's it's phenomenal. Ma- hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. Oh, it's mankind in the casket. That's what. That's to me. That's an iconic shot of him. Um, Adam, real quick, your your concerns. Do you have concerns of them selling? Uh, here's the thing, as far as the sale, they're business wise, they're going to do what they're going to do. I'm looking at it as because you know I, I did a, a couple of matches. I'm looking at it as a worker, you know, in Ooh. their perspective. They're, they didn't get into wrestling to be a part of Disney or be told by Disney what to do, how to do it, when to do it. They're going to ask so much of these guys to do all this extra crap that you don't get into wrestling to do. I didn't be a wrestler so I could run around with Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and kick Goofy's ass or, or whatever. I did because I love wrestling, and I feel like they're going to pull the fun and everything out of wrestling and put it in a whole other director, you know, direction this is what's so fun about wrestling. No, it ain't. That's, that's bullshit. Wrestling, this is what we love about wrestling. Now, I think they're just going to pull it out. And when that happens, then it's, gonna, it's just going to kill wrestling altogether. That's my well, concern. I, I think that uh, we are. This is probably one of the greatest resurgence of independent wrestling that we've ever seen. I agree. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> uh, as, Shawn Mike, as Shawn Michaels makes his way to the ring, um, what I'd like to try to do, and this will also be an edit point if we have to, is I'm going to try to stream in the heat-seeking moment that I put together. I don't believe... You probably want to do that anyway, but... I don't believe... 
mankind should have ever won the championship. You oh, shut your dirty warm mouth. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm saying these seats. I'm saying that look at mankind's world title reigns. How long were they? They're blips. No one fucking remembers them except for oh, he he lost to the Rock. He got it back from the Rock. He lost to the Rock again. Oh, I, I mean, he mm. didn't really hold on to the world title long enough for it to be anything but a transitional champion to lead into Rock Austin in 15. Personally, I believe Rock should have never lost a title, done his little heel shtick all the way to Mania and chased. Yes, yes, I, I do feel like being kind of Rock should have had that program the whole way through. I know this takes away that iconic pop where Austin walks in, Glass shatters, biggest pop of all time, beats down everyone, mankind wins. I, I, I know what I'm taking away. I know what kind of history I'm removing from all this. So I can understand why it's a shitty take for a lot of people. But I think in the overall arc of 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 the rock stone cold storyline, rock never losing the title would have meant that much more for Austin. To beat it because how long was rock champion before austin beat him like six weeks five weeks that's not a very like it's not like oh man he beat this guy that's been champion for six months no he beat this guy that's been champion for six weeks um brandy is burning at the bit to talk but i just gotta say that i i i love mankind i absolutely love mankind read his books love the man to death but i don't think his world title reigns were made relevant enough relevant enough to matter i'm saying they, maybe they could rebooked it and made it better but the way it went down was a hot ratings grab in 99 and then nothing brandy unleash on phil please so your first argument was that because he only had these short little blipic title reigns means that they don't mean much in the grand scheme of title reigns. Let me take you back to 2014. What about the hot potato moments between the Divas Championship for AJ Lee and Paige? Does that take away from their reigns? I don't think it does. And what it does do is prove the competitiveness of the WWF at that time. And by the way, the Rock Stone Cold storyline was so much fucking bigger than a fucking belt that actually they didn't really need the title at that time to get that story over. Now, in addition to your incredibly dumbass take, the fact that Mick was given these title reigns was a testament to the fact that he fucking killed his body for the WWF. And that was the sole reason that he got those title reigns and he deserved them. Much like when they put the title on Kurt Angle in his hometown of Pittsburgh when there really wasn't a reason other than the fact that he was in his hometown and had his entire fucking family filling up three quarters of the arena. You have to have those moments because those moments are what rewards somebody for so many years of hard work because Mick Foley to this day deals with memory issues, can't fucking walk. And to even fathom the idea that he doesn't deserve those title reigns because of what he put himself through for this business is bullshit. Is mankind and his organic character growth and the way the fans just got behind him is mankind the attitude era 
Daniel Bryan with when you look at yeah his growth compared to the yes movement. So I'd like to go around the room and get everybody's thoughts on that if that's agreeable to everyone. Fine with me. Yeah. That's What's that's, a, that's a pretty good comparison. Thank you. He, he really, I mean, came in as, you know, today they'd call him an indie darling, kind of with that underground, if you knew who he was, you knew who he was, but he wasn't, wasn't a household name. And he turned himself into a household name, largely with the fans behind him, pushing him every step of the way. Um, as far as uh, <clears throat> Mr. Jackson and his unbelievably incorrect and highly offensive, I'm personally offended by those comments. No, um, we, we all we all were. Yeah, I, I think he he does he was the champion that the one time Vince actually listened to the fans when the fans said that's who we want, that's our guy. Give him to us. And they did. Now, you want to talk a guy that's literally sacrificed his body for the company who's gone above and beyond. That, to me, is a guy that's deserving of a belt. That's a that's a leader. That is a champion. The guy that, that looks at it and goes, fuck, this is going to hurt, but it's going to look so good. He's sacrificing for the good of the company. And for the good of wrestling as a whole, that's the kind of guy that deserves that recognition. Quick call. Oh, go, yeah, go ahead, Adam. Yeah, I mean, you know, mankind, you got to think. He did all this when The Undertaker's big. Uh, Vader, um, Kurt Angle, he did all this when all these guys are, you know, he's got all this talent around him. And he was still able to bring himself up to their level. Absolutely. That's the, that's what and, and was a credible opponent for guys like Vader and for Undertaker and yeah. He just he brought himself up with with all these other guys around him: Bret Hart, Owen, Bulldog, Shawn Michaels. Undertaker. I mean, it's just he was able to do that on his own with the fans behind him. But I mean, it's just everything he did with all this talent around him. That's what gets me. That's what I like most about it. I still think his his early vignettes with him in the boiler room with the rat, yeah. and yeah. you had no idea what in the hell this. I miss those. That was George the Rat, by the way. That was yeah. that was George. Was that George? He died from mesothelioma. Did you know that? Yes, yes. <laughs> and and if your rat also died from mesothelioma, you might be entitled to compensation. <laughs> That was an old something to wrestle with. Yes, that is a, one of the best bits in the history of that show. Was and actually, them I, I was, over George. What we're talking great, about, what mankind. Brandy just did was hilarious. That was fucking hilarious. Because you, you, have you seen those mesothelioma fucking commercials? You may be entitled to compensation. Well, that was that was a bit on what happened when when they were talking early, about Cornette. And yeah. God damn, my rat died. Took him to the van. And, and so the joke rat. was, was George the Rat died from mesothelioma because that was oh, one man. of the sponsors was a mesothelioma lawyer. Attorney. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. God, it's been so they, long. Bruce, oh, yeah. Bruce almost choked to death. He was laughing so hard on that. Um, yeah. 
Poor George. See, that's part of the fun that we do miss because we are part of ad-free shows. We don't have right? ads anymore. But there was a time where the ads fit into the stories and it was yep. just... I mean, everybody remembers the train ad. The train. George the Rat. Stop. Um, the train iconic two commercials with Arn Anderson. Yes. It, but I I miss the, the vignettes that WWE used to do introducing guys. The gold early gold dust stuff, the man the mankind stuff, one hundred percent. But now it's just like here he is, and you're just expected to know, even if you know who he is. But that's, you know, that's, give us something. Right. Give us the character. Give us the, you know, give back, us the clip notes. Back Tell then, me they why were I'm able to, to, to put the heart Tell in me it, why right? I get off the couch. Bingo. Bingo. Tell me why I'm turning the TV on to watch this guy. Brandon, they were allowed to put their heart and soul in it back then, though. They can't do that now. Right. So well, that, and that that leads kind of back to what I was saying about not getting farther and farther away from wrestling and getting more into entertaining. You know, when Vince said we make movies, he wasn't lying. That, that, that was really when everything stopped being about wrestling and being more about the pageantry. And Brandy, oh, I wanted to see the, the botch. I'm sorry, Mark. I was oh, just asking if y'all seen that botch a minute ago when Shawn Michaels ran to the corner, mankind wasn't there. And, <laughs> Sean Michaels comes around and says, come on, man. That spot, I don't know how he still managed to do that. That The suplex into the stairs and the knee over the edge of the stairs. Yeah. I, my knee hurts just watching it. Oh, He caught the calf on that one. Oh, that's horrible. Now, Brandy, horrible. what were your thoughts on the Daniel Bryan thing? We didn't get to hear from you on oh, that. Oh, yeah. Comparison to the modern day uh Daniel I Bryan. want to say it's not a modern trope. It's a it's a storytelling trope that's appeared throughout multiple forms of entertainment, including wrestling, for a long time. And we're just sort of noticing the amplification of it due to the advent of we see it all the time and you get to experience and feel the feelings of getting behind somebody and feeling like they're actually listening to you. I mean, we saw it with uh, Steve Austin as he came through King of the Ring 96 and his, you strapped the rocket to him. We saw that with Sting in WCW. It's something that's occurred organically throughout many, many generations. So I agree that this is sort of one of them, but it's certainly not a unique. Uh, I mean, it's unique in terms of the magnitude and the exposure for a Daniel Bryan, but it's not unique in terms of its actual occurrence with a wrestling character in the business. I love your take on that, and I wasn't expecting that at all, but I want to ask a follow-up directly to you, Brandy, if you don't mind, just based off of your take. Is um, do you believe because you've said it's used a lot? Do you believe it's overused, or do you believe in the concept of wrestling that it's a it's an appropriate way to keep being reused, or do you think there's other storylines that could be told to get to the same like end destination of building a quote unquote top guy or top gal? There's always going to be the hero's journey, which is shown probably best through the original Star Wars trilogy. 
and it's a literary device called the hero's journey. And that is one that never gets old because it plays upon the very essence of humanity. And you see the same thing in this sort of redemptive arc of he's one of us, which means therefore it could be me. And that is why it will never get old or never get overused because it has to do with the personal identification with that person, with a McFoley, with a Daniel Bryan, because these guys are not super big, super jacked. They're just kind of those, you know, that could be me. I'm not six foot tall. I'm not super cut. I'm, that's the every man. And that's why it's not going to get to that point of overuse because I think you just have to be strategic with who you follow with it because it has to be someone that everyone can find something of themselves in. One and more uh, has to be organic. It's not something that you can mm -hmm. force either. One exactly. more follow-up to go off that, Brandy, just because I think it fits so well. Do you think that is that the story they told with uh, Hangman Adam Page that stretched from All Out to Full Gear 2021, or did he have a different story arc? It is, but it's not so much with the overwhelming organic support that you saw with the Daniel Bryan, where the crowd was so vocal. That was more of a typical hero's journey, because especially if you you can just Google this a hero's journey, literary. And it will show you the various steps in the arc. And you can pinpoint those steps along Adam Page's journey. And AEW did very well in not messing with the long shot and keeping going with that long-term storytelling, which does have a deficit in modern wrestling. It's Everything is so fast that to tell a two-year story is a big deal. And not to cut in, I love this spot. Yes, this the, the yeah, plastic knife into the knee. To, oh yeah, yeah. There's there's two spots in this match. That one and going through the table that I always remember. Mary yeah, is so was, underrated right here. So underrated. Absolutely. <laughs> this is why the take that we saw from Phil Jackson last week is just well in a word Wrong. asinine. <laughs> Or as well, Brandy uh, said, as Brandy I said, thought, was the dumbass take. <laughs> I actually well, thought of something. Phil did that. Uh, Phil did that take during his segment. Um, filled in. I guess he didn't realize he was digging his own grave. Yes, I guess he didn't realize that just like next month in your house that he was going to be buried alive. Buried alive. <laughs> that was punny, Brandy. That was great. Quick, quick question. I, yeah. yeah, absolutely, Adam. Uh, do you think Mankind or Undertaker would have risen to the heights that they did if they didn't have each other to play off of? I guess no. Mankind was never here. Do you think Undertaker would have risen as high as he did or vice versa? If Undertaker wasn't here, do you think Mankind wouldn't have gotten no. as high as he did if he wasn't there? Undertaker, yes. Foley, no. I agree. That, that spot off of the cage made Foley. Taker was already a made man at that point. Let me you have so many moments that they needed each other. Boiler Room Brawl, the True. Buried Alive match, the Hell in a Cell. I think that a lot of that would have gotten pushed over on the cane. Actually, 
can I interject for one second, Sean? Can I actually? Yeah, go ahead. I have to disagree with you slightly, and I apologize for it. But um, but the reason I'm disagreeing is we need to look at the original story of Paul Bear and the Undertaker and the betrayal urn that happened with Boiler Room Brawl. If that doesn't happen, you can make a legitimate argument. Maybe we never get the Kane character. Because there's not that adversity. That is a very good point. Between The Undertaker and Paul Bear. You might get there another way, but I don't know if it leads to the Kane character. So to me, if you look at it, it's really a triangle where Mankind, Undertaker, and Kane are all intertwined. And I'll do you one better. You look at the Hell in a Cell from the King of the Ring, which is uh, King of the Ring 98 to be specific, which is one of the most iconic moments. There is video footage of The Undertaker saying that structure was built for Kane to destroy. Like, that was right. built for him to have the debut. So if there's no Kane, is there Hell in a Cell? I mean, it's kind of becomes a chicken and an egg thing, but it's kind of an interesting discussion. That's a good point. I didn't so, think of it that way. No, and it's funny because it's, it's Paul Bearer right in the middle holding all of it together. Yep. Yeah, yeah so it no really Paul is. Bearer, get that Which, one. once again, yet another tick mark on his amazing manager... Yeah, I, I was always a big, big, big fan of his. Percy Pringle the third forever. Can you imagine? Good, money, Mike. That was good. Oh, go ahead, Adam. No, I'll say that was good. That that's until you said that that I didn't think of it that way. That's that's awesome, man. Can you imagine if Percy Pringle was alive today and could do a conversation with Conrad? Oh and my stories gosh. and the oh. stories you could get out of that. Yeah. I still think the the best podcast that obviously we'll never get would have been Conrad and Owen. Oh, my God. I think that would have been – and not only for the stories, for the shit that Owen would pull on air to fuck with Conrad. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that. Owen and Starcast, yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Owen in a room full of all of us slapdicks, and him coming up with pranks and things to get us. Nobody would be safe. Oh my God! I was I was at his last match. That was in in, uh, Allstate Arena in Illinois the night before. Oh wow! They they ran Allstate and then they went to St. Louis the next night. I was there. I remember that. I remember hearing that. But that's awesome. You were there for that. Yeah, I have a I have a bad run of seeing people the night before. Uh, I was there for Stevie Ray Vaughan. I literally was in the parking lot when the helicopter went down. Uh, I was there for the lead singer of Drowning Pool. I saw him the night before he passed away. Um, oh my god! And there were two others. There was another wrestler, and the name escapes me, and another musician. That I saw, literally saw their final show. Wow! Just keep your ass out of Alabama for one. Yeah, right. uh, yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to a wrestling show with Sean. Um, yeah, he's gonna die. So I'm like, hey man, I got two front row tickets. You better go by your damn self. Don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> that that is very, that is very interesting, and I think the Owen podcast take. I've never. never oh, heard. an Owen podcast would have been. Yeah. That would have been a lot of fun. 
as we're looking at mankind, do you think there's ever a chance we get a Foley podcast? Because I think that could have some stories to it. I think once he's ready to come off of the road and not do his one-man show, that's when it goes online. So I do have a little bit of insider knowledge now. Friend of the show, Mark Nelson, has been to McFoley's show and actually Uh straight up asked him, would you do a podcast with Conrad? And he said that he would not because he thinks he would get bored with it very quickly. Oh, wow. Okay. That's surprising. So unless Conrad's business plan and his success <laughs> can change his mind, I don't think we're ever going to see a fully podcast. Maybe like a one-off? Yeah, like maybe yeah, a conversation like a- with Conrad yeah. or something. Yeah, I could see him like he did with uh, with the Crockett's doing a one-off. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe like that. a two or three part interview that they film over like the course of like two days or something. You know what would be cool? You know what would actually be really cool is have oh, going on... I love that spot until I heard the true story about him losing his ear, and then I had to lost his ear. Yeah, that's that's when I was like, okay, yeah, we don't need to do that anymore, especially in today's climate. That's a bad look. You know what would be an interesting podcast to me with Foley as a guest is have Conrad do something with him and Jr. on grilling Jr. because of how intertwined their stories are and what a big advocate. Jim Ross was for Mick. To me, that that would be that could be cool. That would be pretty cool. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm digging the Matt Hardy podcast. That oh, show was a lot of fun. And jo- and That's let's really put him over too. John Alba does a fantastic oh, job for every shows. I tweeted to John Alba that that show highlights his inner fan in the best way possible. It just his his love for wrestling comes out and you can hear it in the conversations he is oh, a yeah. true fan who loves wrestling and i he does a great job him really him paul lauren evan we talk about conrad all the time but that that ad free shows team and it, what conrad's assembled dave silva they're all it's they're amazing because i go back to the original flair show with him and conrad when it was just him and Conrad and then it was Conrad and Bruce and this tiny little and now it's what nine podcasts there's like 400 people that work for yeah, him it's an empire it, you know he he rakes in the gross national product of some small countries he's he's doing good and it does and this is the thing I think that's cool like Sean we get to spend this afternoon talking to you it's it's brought so many people together and it's done that those podcasts have done stuff for people that Conrad and the host will probably never know or be able to comprehend. Cause well, I know they had a big impact on me personally, even before I knew any of you, just having that to go to as a resource when I was kind of transitioning from one point of my life to another, that was one of the constants I could rely on. So that's, um, that's how I've always looked at the podcast and hold them in such high regard. And the other, the other thing that makes me happy with the podcast and I know there's a certain subset of the internet wrestling community that likes to think they know who Conrad is. They've never met him. They've never had a conversation with him, but they know exactly who he is and what he's about. And he is honestly one of the nicest guys I have ever met in my life. I can tell. I've never Conrad Dave Silva is a national treasure. I love that guy to death. Um, Paul Bromwell, once again, 
phenomenal human being. He has surrounded himself with some of the best people I've ever met, and they're succeeding, and I couldn't be happier for him. But the, the internet marks that, oh, Conrad did this, and that's, you know, he got Ric Flair, and he got, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Stop it. The Conrad thing, I mean, my whole involvement with Ad Free Shows, and this is very, very quick sidebar, but my whole t- involvement with Ad Free Shows started with one question to Conrad, and it was right after my grandmother, who was the biggest wrestling fan, passed away, and I mentioned that in the question, and I asked him, you know, who did you have any family members that uh, you used to watch wrestling with? And I remember before he answered it, he just had such kind things to say about me and said, you know, hope you're doing well after your grandmother, he didn't even know me, but it was it was that. Yeah, he's that was he is a genuinely genuine person. Yeah, there there is no bullshit. There's no what he says is how it is, and that's how it's always going to be. Yeah, he has no, a no bullshit side about him, though. Yeah, he is he like, is one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. Um, yeah, and. And, but when from the outside looking in, if you don't know everything he does, like for us, some of these folks that don't know, it just looks like, well, he's just getting these guys just to make himself feel better. But when we're on the inside looking in, you know, and the inside looking out, we all know everything he does for us. Well, I've, I've um, read stuff online where people are like, oh, at StarCast, oh, this happened and that happened and this happened. And it's like, well, I was in the room when none of that happened. Well, so it sound like he's doing it for himself. He don't do this. Right. Shit. Yeah, he ain't. He ain't doing. He doesn't do Starcast to get rich. Let let me. And now I know. Let me preface this. I know nothing about anything that comes to that, but I do know that at best he's breaking even. He's doing it for the love. He's doing it. This ain't worth the money. There ain't no way. Yeah, he, he's not doing this to make a billion dollars and retire on some small island. He's doing it because this is what he loves. It's like he said, he's the first listener. And I just think it's at the end of the day, I mean, it all comes back to those podcasts. And like to circle back to where we are today, you figure it brought us all here. And that's a good right, thing. Absolutely. Because we can all enjoy this wonderful match of Shawn Michaels and Mankind, which we're kind of talking over, but that's completely fine. But it's a, it's, I just thought it was worth mentioning all the Ed Free Show stuff. And I know people, some people probably look at us and think we're shows for them. We're not. It's all genuine because we've all, we've all experienced yeah. it in one way or another. They don't, they don't pay me. They don't pay yeah, us. Yeah. I've, I've never received a penny. So neither, neither have I. In fact, in fact, I, I pay them. I, yeah, I was gonna say I've, I've paid quite a bit. Yeah. If you were to look around my room here, there's quite a bit of Starcast memorabilia that that definitely got paid for. So. And it's the best money. And it's the best money I spend. That's what I tell anybody. It's the best money I it's, spend. You know, because I got to hang out so much more than the actual basic yeah. dollar. Right. It's not just the podcast. It's everything else that encompasses. It's like that's the bonus that we get for being part of the community. I mean, it I sounds. I don't listen to a lot of the podcast no more. I do this because we you don't get either. There's just too much. I listen to Jarrett, which if you would have asked me ten years ago, hey Jeff Jarrett's got a podcast. Do you want to listen? I would have been like, fuck no, hell no. Um, I love the Jarrett podcast. I love the Matt Hardy pod. I will always listen to Tony and Bruce. That's about all I have time for. Jeff and Eric are my top two. Jeff and Eric are my top two. I listen I, to Eric every once in a while. He gets a little repetitive in his outrage. Oh, I after love that. One, 
After what Eric did for my son, I'm in debt forever to Eric this off. Um, yeah, uh, Adam, can you tell us about that, please? Well, when we went to St. Louis, um, well, first, James gave Brayson a blue 83 weeks pullover. So when we got to St. James Louis. James Sorensen, great friend. Oh, yes, great, great friend of Eric Bischoff, James Sorensen. Yeah. Good close uh, buddy. <laughs> so we all did the whole get in line, you know, do your pictures, autograph. We did all that. So at the end of the show, I actually asked Eric. Or, you know, I talked to Lauren. She helped me. So thanks, Lauren. But uh, we call Eric after the show. And Eric, uh, we say, hey, you know, it's my son's birthday next week. Would you mind uh, taking a picture? Oh, sorry. There's a table spot right sorry. there. Sorry. Awesome spot. But uh, after the show, we ask him, you know, do you mind taking a picture with my son next week's his birthday? So he actually gets behind him, puts him in a headlock type deal and takes a picture with him. Signs the pullover, everything. And then I guess Eric, was- Eric's a good dude. I got to meet him at StarCast and see him interact with the fans. Well, this is what he did the other night when he did the after 83 week show with Christy Olsen. James, I had no idea he was doing this. I had no idea. He wrote in and Christy saw the question. So Christy says, hey, Eric, um, little Jimmy said, you know, wants to know if you will tell Adam's son, Brayson, happy birthday. So he didn't say happy birthday. He stopped and sang happy birthday to my son on YouTube. That is name incredible. Awesome. Incredible. Yeah, what incredible. a what a cool person Eric Bischoff really is. And, right. I, and honestly, again, not even just Eric, but to focus on James for a second. We've had him on the show and he's a he's a phenomenal person, very, very good friend of mine. And he is truly the person that he would do anything for anybody. So James Sorensen, he's a good a good guy. And hey, everybody go give his WrestleMania twenty four video a look too. We gotta we gotta get somebody up there close to Anthony Pyers. Well, we have we have, we have a we have a twenty thousand view episode. Yeah, well, go ahead, Sean. I'm sorry. You a CM Punk fan? I love CM Punk. Yep. Oh shit! That's I cool. had that. I had that framed. Signed. Was, yeah, signed, but not by like you. I'm assuming you got it signed by him. Yeah, we got there. Uh, I've never had Someone bought it for me and sent it to me, but yeah, that was that was one of the cool ones. And then on the back, we've got. Some awesome Eric Hodgson. Oh, and I love Pel- Penta. That's El- really Pel- cool. I love And Pel- then, love for Mance Warner always. Oh, always. God. Oh, yeah, Mance is a... Mance Warner. Like I said, sharing beers with him at StarCast, it was like I look over and it's like, holy, holy shit, that's Mance Warner. Hey, do you want to... No, he wants a beer. Can we get him a beer? <laughs> so, yeah, I man, that's Zane Swanson truly one of the best. He's he, he's always got a brother in me. Oh, Sorensen's a good yeah. He's a good dude. He gave my son an autograph. Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, the uh, I mean, you know. Here's the thing: all, all James all James Sorensen wants is friendship and love, and he'll always have that for me. Oh, exactly. absolutely! No, he's a he's a very good friend of mine as well. And, and Undertaker <laughs> in the casket. He is going yeah. This is the setup well, for Buried Alive. Frank will tell you, when somebody does something for your kids, it means the world. Yes. Absolutely. But, sorry, Absolutely. bud. Don't apologize. Why are you apologizing? Well, um, yeah, I, I kind of cut you out. My bad. No, it's all, it's all good. Um, that, that match, 
is by far one of my I, I have a lot of favorite Shawn Michaels matches. I'd have to have like a top ten. But that match is uh, I mean, I, I love I, I you know, what is it, all four of Shawn's Undertaker televised matches. Uh-huh. Ground Ground Zero and then the next month at the, Bad Blood. At Bad Blood. Then both WrestleMania matches. This one's on top. I I loved all of Sean's matches with Brett. Um, which, by the way, I have to let everybody know, um, there was a bet between me and um, Justin Davis, who is a, a massive Bengals fan. And as everyone here knows, um, the, the Tennessee Titans laid a massive egg uh, due to the help of Ryan Tannehill to the said Bengals, the number one seed primed to go to the Super Bowl, and they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm here to proclaim that Bret Hart is the greatest wrestler that has ever lived and has uh, um, leaps and bounds above Shawn Michaels. In fact, Bret Hart's career is the most important and better career uh, over Shawn Michaels. And... Um, uh, did you write this for you? Uh, I bow down to Bret the Hitman Hart and proclaim his superiority to Shawn Michaels. I'll tell you what I really think off air. Uh, so, well, Frank, you know, well, Frank, you know what Tennessee needs to do during the oh, offseason? Get Aaron Rodgers? No, they need yeah. to tighten up their defense. <laughs> Wait a minute. They sacked Joe Burrow nine times. The defense is need, fine. They, it's the offense that needs what, the help. What they need to do is stop throwing the football to the other Well, then they need to tighten team. up their offense. They need to tighten up their quarterback. Because the Tennessee Titans should be in that motherfucking game tomorrow. Because they would have been able to beat Kansas City. Uh, I, I hope you stop recording before you said all that shit. No, I didn't. It angers me. That Matt, Sean, Michaels, Sean Michaels is threatening to take his pants off. This is not. No, he's, he's showing, showing the heart tattoo on his ass. Sean Michaels' heart tattoo on his ass. Oh, my Lord. Why, though? I don't understand. Why not? That was... How is there still four minutes left? What are they going to do? They're going to follow. I don't remember this. So they do they just are they he, putting over... he walks around the uh, the outside. Okay, it's the, so, the equivalent of Hogan must pose. Okay, Sean must show his ass and walk around the yeah. Um, <laughs> showing his ass is is a normal. So let's go around the room and talk about what we thought of in your house uh, mind games, and we will start with our guest Sean. I love this pay-per-view. Uh, the the Savio Vega strap match is a lot of fun. Uh, Jim Cornette gets his ass kicked by a senior citizen. <laughs> Once again, probably my second favorite Shawn Michaels match. Uh, definitely a top 10 Mankind match for me. Um, yeah, it's just a fun pay-per-view top to bottom. Brandy? I love Shawn Michaels. That's it. That's all. <laughs> That's why I love hanging out with you guys. You guys love Shawn Michaels. Oh, I'm I'm a, I'm a huge Mark. Uh, yeah, Adam from Adam from Bema. Your thoughts on this show? Right here, and Shawn Michaels is just so good. I mean, the little things he does, you know, because just stuff like this right here, man. I mean, nobody did that back then. And he's he's just the little things, and I, I look at it, I look at some of this stuff a little bit different because I you know I've I've done this once or twice, tried to anyway, but 
just looking at it at that aspect as, as his work rate. I mean, and I know Flair's the showman. He's don't get me wrong, I love Ric Flair, but Shawn Michaels is just and this this match reminded me of how damn good he was. No matter who he was in the ring with, he's just that damn good. Yep. Yeah, there's nothing to say about it. I mean, that's Shawn Michaels. He's, he's number one. Um, and let's go over to our boy, Michael McClanahan. Shawn Michaels' matches will always be a favorite of mine for sentimental reasons. He was my grandmother's favorite wrestler. We both had the privilege of seeing him live together back in 2009 during what would ultimately be his last full-time run. I think Sean is fan- I think Sean Michaels is fantastic. Sean Jones, I think you've been a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We've really enjoyed. I know I personally have really enjoyed getting to sit down and talk to you for almost two hours. And I hope I didn't play too many mind games with my questions. But I want y'all to know I had the best time. I always do look forward to doing the next one. This is this is great. I had a, I had a blast. I want to thank you guys for inviting me on. This was a lot of fun. Well, it's it's always. I mean, I, I'm glad, Sean, that we reconnected because I, I was uh, you and I reached out to you last week and, and we're thinking, you know, you know, we we've got we need to have a show before we've got Lady Frost. And I'm like, you know who I have not talked. I see you on Twitter all the time. And I'm like, I have not talked to Sean in so long. And then I was also your I was your secret Santa, right? So, I right uh, when I Wait saw that honor, when I whoa, saw that honor, whoa whoa whoa. You were his what? Secret yeah, Santa. dude. He was my secret Santa. Check this shit out. He bought me a fucking Mighty Ducks jersey. When That's I saw so that, Char- oh, it's a Charlie Conway Santa. jersey. This, this, dude, this made my year. You have no idea. <laughs> I love this jersey. When when I saw that on your wish list, I was like, okay, I'm going with that. That's happening right now. Well, so, we'll always have Nashville. It's okay. What'd you say? We'll always have we'll Nashville. Always have Nashville. <laughs> You know what I loved about Nashville is that you and Naraya sitting at that swanky steakhouse looking around going, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be here? <laughs> and and that's what I thought when I first started working for that company, and, and I've since left it. But you are supposed to be there. You deserve to be there just as much as every other swanky motherfucker. So just what remember that. What do you think when I called and asked where the hotel parking was? What you think? What, what Valet? Well, I well, I didn't know. I was like, "Where do I park at the at the hotel?" And I can oh, hear you in your voice, like, "No, you don't think I've had." Yeah, what did right. you think when like, I called and asked for? I, I, you, you. The thing about it, Adam, is that you're very like what I just said. Like, oh, valet, steakhouse on the thirty fourth floor of a rest, of a hotel in the middle of Nashville. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be here. But motherfucker, you are supposed to be there. We we love you and I wanted you there. And if if I see you in Nashville in July, we're going to that damn steakhouse again because I have the hookup. Sean, if you're there, I want you there with me. I want, I want every- to see next time. Yeah, I'll nope. Oh. He was so me? excited he ran can away. You guys, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we're gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. So I just got this thing. Your browser has lost connection to your camera. Make sure you have the right camera selected. I don't know what that's all about. So uh, yeah, no, I I will be in Chicago for All Out Weekend, and I will be in Nashville yeah. for SummerSlam weekend. So uh, my expectation is that we, I, you know, 
I will. Uh, this I'm going to be honest with you. The steakhouse is expensive, but if we all go together, it it, it breaks, obviously breaks down. So, um, and I'll wear my dress. The, uh, I'm, if if I'm there, I, I I'm game, and I'm more than willing to chip in. I'd love to have dinner with all of you. That that yeah. Hard Rock that's downtown too is pretty good too. I've, so I'll, I've, I'll, I'll, I've yeah. gigged and eaten there before. So it's yeah. You you've what and eaten there? Gigged with the band that I worked for. Played a show there. Okay, that's just amazing. In a that's band. really cool. You work for a band? I used to. A couple of just local stuff. Nothing that's cool. crazy. That's really See, this cool. is setting up for we need to have Sean on again so that we can continue to learn. Oh yeah, I've yeah. I've been all over the United States. I, I've seen some shit. <laughs> on that I note, guys. What's up? Oh yeah, I do. This was a lot of fun. I uh, I love doing stuff like that. So anytime, man. Anytime. So with guys, with that being said, our next episode is going to be with Lady Frost and her. I'm, incredible I ain't gonna lie, I'm jealous on that one. She's, oh, yeah. she's very cool. Yeah. It's no pun intended. No pun. <laughs> um, so with that being said, I want to thank Sean and the, our normal cast, cast of characters here. Henry, we missed you. Phil, we missed you. We're going to cut you guys in uh, post. No matter how wrong Phil is. Yes, and well, yeah, Phil was way off. But on that note, we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. 14 WrestleManias. A leg drop, an elbow smash, a body slam. Are you ready to fight? Who will survive?